0: Hello and welcome to the Content Minds. My name is Ryan Broderick and uh, I think I'm very dehydrated.
1: Oh, have, how, how much water have you not drunk?
0: Uh, not enough because I think I, I, I've had a headache all day and I'm not hungover and I've eaten food. So I'm thinking the only thing that that could be is that I'm dehydrated. Who are you?
1: Uh, I am Luke uh, and I do not have the internet. So I am, hopefully you, you won't be able to pick this up on the audio, but I am streaming this via my phone. Um, which is, seems unideal, uh, and there is also a storm outside. So basically, this is just me apologising for my audio for various different reasons.
0: What kind of storm?
1: Uh, I mean, one that apparently can knock your internet out, as far as I, I oh. can tell. Oh, I, mean, I don't know. I don't. It, I don't know if they're linked, but you know, I am just making making assumptions here, making connections.
0: Unlike your internet, which is not making a connection,
1: it is not making any connect, connections. No, it's an awful.
0: All right, let's get into the show. Welcome to the Content Minds. This week, we are talking about TikTok. I've been building up a docket of things in the TikTok realm that I wanted to talk about on the show. So awesome. we're going to go deep into that. But before we get there, Luke, how is the internet this week?
1: Okay, actually, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the internet is salty this week. Why is that? Well, I have two reasons. One is that everyone seems kind of gently mad at everyone else, but no one's getting into it properly. And the second reason is the UK reason, which is that Salt Bay is now in London. And
0: wait, did we talk about this before? No, we didn't have time last week, but you wanted to talk about Salt Bay last
1: week. That was it. Yes. But yeah, Salt Bay is now in London and Salt Bay is uh, doing his thing and it has... It's still going. Somehow it's still going. Somehow people are still talking about it, and it has been weeks.
0: I've never eaten at Salt Bay, but I used to work across the street from one. And I've had friends who've gone to a Salt Bay restaurant, and the overwhelming review that I've heard is that it's wet. Most of the food True. is very wet.
1: It's like the, the steak with the water poured over it.
0: Yeah, it's like it's wet, expensive food covered in
1: gold. Yep. For some reason. Yeah. No, that, that's broadly been the takeaway in the UK, but except that. Obviously it's the combination of someone who is famous on social media in twenty seventeen, extremely rich people, uh who use Snapchat a lot, and British tabloids.
0: Is Snapchat big in the UK?
1: Uh it's big when people apparently want to share their receipts from Salt Bay's restaurant.
0: Oh, I know what you're talking about, but explain to our audience what you're talking about, because I saw this receipt and it's absolutely insane.
1: Yeah, I mean basically people like so a bunch of people who've gone, like uh, there's a lot of celebrities gone, a lot of footballers have gone, like Far too many footballers have gone and it's like, you guys, you're supposed to be like controlling your diets carefully on the basis you need to have like elite performance. Why are you eating a steak covered in gold? Um, but yeah, a lot of footballers go, a lot of celebrities go, a lot of reality stars have gone. Like Gemma Collins went and got very mad. If you don't know who Gemma Collins is, she is a notorious reality star in the UK. We don't have the, the, the episodes to go into who Gemma Collins is. Um, <laughs> but no, we don't. She, uh, yeah, all of these people go and then they take a photo of their receipt. And often put it on Snapchat, sometimes Instagram, sometimes Twitter, or whatever, and go like, wow, wasn't this really expensive? It wasn't worth it. Um, which, yeah, is then obviously picked up by British tabloids who go like, this person was outraged at this. Uh, and the actual photo that they put on the guy, um, the, the, the caption on it was just taking the piss a bit, I think, which is not like that was the whole caption, taking the piss a bit, which is not outrage to me.
0: Wait, you're talking about the super expensive, like what, like 45,000 pound receipt or something?
1: Yeah, something like that, which like looked like it was like six people. Um, I I think it's uh, the cost of individual items on it is more shocking in that there's stuff that that is like a Red Bull for 17 pounds or something, which is incredible. But I, I broadly think that this guy is, I mean, he is, he is like the emperor with no clothes. Uh, but everyone's pointing out that he has no clothes and it doesn't matter,
0: right? Because he's still like feeding people gold. So everyone's fine with that.
1: Well, there's this really strange moment that he, thing that he does where he does his like careful, like I throw the steak around a bit. Don't know why they do that, but he throws the steak around, then the steak drops and then he slices it carefully and everyone's like, well, that's cool. Then he puts a bit of salt on it in a weird way and everyone's like, well, that's cool. Then, and the bit that really gets me is he then uses this like long, slightly almost like a, like, like a, a cutlass. There's a carving Uh knife, like it's long and curved and looks very like a sword, like Like a, like a meat sword. Yeah, but like a small meat sword, a small meat cutlass. But then he, like, then he, like, gets the bit on the end and, like, lifts it up, like it's, so it's dangling from the end of the sword and then puts it in someone's mouth. And, and it's, it's bizarrely, like, intimate and grotesque and humiliating, I think.
0: It's erotic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a man, it's, it's just someone, like, a man feeding. Someone and it's always men. He always feeds men with it, which I think is also really interesting. As he like dangles it above them, like they're a baby bird, and then they like jump up and grab this meat from this dangling knife. And it's it's very strange. And I could only think that the entire thing is a strategy to humiliate people, to take take their money, cause them to spend vast quantities of money on something that is transparently awful. Uh, and everyone establishes like, well, maybe it's not awful, but it's, it's definitely not worth tens of thousands of pounds. Well, and humiliating them in the process. And they walk out thinking that, they, that something's great. And it's, it's, it's fascinating.
0: Many years ago, I interviewed a man who was very interested in a fetish called financial domination. And I believe that that's what's going on at Salt Bay restaurants, is that people are doing this. For some sort of sexual gratification. Some sort of psychosexual financial gratification.
1: It's the only thing that makes sense.
0: To eat bad food that's expensive,
1: yeah. It's the only thing that makes sense. Like, in a way, he's, like, the perfect... Like, initially, I was like, yeah, no. What he is, is he's a comrade. He is robbing extremely wealthy people of their money. Then it turns out, like, he is awful to his staff at times. Uh, and there's a lot of, like, weird, like, accusations that he takes his staff's tips and stuff. So he's not... uh like a comrade, he is a I think he's just like a narco capitalist. And he is just a purer capitalist than any of these people who are earning nonsense amounts of money for whatever they do. He earning nonsense amounts of money for humiliating them in exchange for the money that they are for some reason valuing. It's the whole thing is so strange.
0: Yeah. Uh Vice actually wrote a story last year about how his uh he I mean he he just continues to violate like proper labor regulations.
1: Yeah, like he is. I think he may be the person who has most effectively turned a meme into a career.
0: That's actually history. a good question. Uh, I'm not sure there is anyone who's done it better than him.
1: Yeah, like it was one dumb video. He kind of there were other there were other people in Turkey the same thing. There's, it's like a tradition in Turkey.
0: Oh yeah, there's the uh, there's the Turkish guy who uh, he does like the videos where he stares at the camera for a while and he like makes like a giant egg. Of chocolate,
1: I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> but like, it's a st- it's a stunt thing that there's a thing in in Turkish culture where they do kind of I don't want to say stunty things with food, but certainly it's kind of a little bit of performance to it.
0: Okay, I need to talk. I need to talk something through to make sure that I'm I'm, I'm understanding things correctly. My feelings are right. Okay, All right, Hit me. I feel like for the last year, every four to six weeks, I it feels like. The internet in America just, like, empties out. And it feels like my Twitter feed is actively becoming, like, less, even though I'm following more people than I've ever followed before. Like, I follow 2,000 people on Twitter, and I have, uh on my tweet deck, I currently have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10... I have 10 columns, and I'm following 2,000 people, and yet I feel like there are less people in my Twitter feed than has than, than ever before. I feel like the internet is just, like, emptying out.
1: Okay, do you know what I think that is? What? I think this is post-Trump malaise.
0: I think so, too. I, it honestly feels like I woke up in August or, like, mid-July, and people just, like, logged off and they just haven't logged back. And now my Twitter feed is just like the same thirty very unwell media professionals tweeting nonstop. That's what it feels like.
1: Yeah, because I think that's kind of their their habit now. But I, I I genuinely think this is this is a thing in it, like we didn't that the kind of the Trump era for you guys, the Brexit era for, era for us, which was, you know, sort of tangled up in the same era and led into coronavirus era. Uh was so constant and chaotic that uh it, it kind of broke like okay there was a period there was a solid two-year period i mean slightly less where like a, uk newsrooms operate by the clock of when donald trump wakes up
0: right i remember this yeah
1: and it was just and suddenly you get a tweet and you'd be like he's up here we go Let's strap in for another 16 hours of this nonsense um right. and there was like a very it was like a very clear cyclical thing and it faded a little bit once we realized that you know we start to understand, like, basically he was kind of absorbed by the cycles of Washington rather than he owned his own cycles. Changed a little bit as we got back into the election stuff, but also it coronavirus time, so it, it was a bit off. But I think that just for such a long time, we've been expecting just, like, wild shit to happen constantly yeah, involving the President of the United States. That it kind of became a default thing. And then every, yeah, four to six weeks, you suddenly realize, like, man, not a lot happening now. When it's actually, this is just, like, 2014. Or probably even not even that, it's probably 2015.
0: That's the thing. It it just feels like, I, I guess, like, this summer, it just feels like a large chunk of the internet logged off, and it feels like they just haven't logged back on again.
1: <laughs> and, wow. like,
0: I'm someone who, like, kind of follows, like, the internet. Like, that's sort of, like, my job. And I read, like, a lot of stuff all day, and I feel like I have a pretty good bird's eye view of, like, what's going on. But even, like... This like the memes that are being written up, or like the trends that are going viral. They just feel very empty compared to where they felt like two years ago, or even like peak during COVID when everyone was like inside posting nonstop. But
1: well, I mean, I think the meme cycle, like I this is going to sound ridiculous, but I think that we are coming to the end of the concept of memes. Like what I, what I mean is is that the meme cycle is so quick now that it does not have the same kind of creativity to it like everyone knows where it's going everyone knows how it ends everyone knows what the deal is and so you get a bunch of people memeing incredibly quickly with the same kind of like canned responses or, or not canned but like kind of oh yeah you perfunctory. Said that, you said that. yeah perfunctory a little bit and people react to it in the same way like i don't think that it's like kind of the audience where it's gone but i just think that cycle has gotten very short like i wouldn't basically if something happened at nine o'clock in the evening my time I would not wake up the next day and be like, "Oh, I wonder what jokes people made about that in the last overnight." I'd be like, no, well, "No, obviously, why would they have?"
0: And like, also, like, they're just like that's. There's no need to know anymore. Where I felt like three years ago, if you didn't know about the Twitter thing, like things would be very confusing. And now I feel like the Twitter thing goes by so fast that like, there's no need to know about it in the first place unless you catch it.
1: But I think it also mainstreams fast. So people now don't think, oh, here's the thing that happened on Twitter. It's like, oh, here's the thing that happened. And now this is all we're talking about.
0: I think at least in America and also probably the UK to an extent, I think the internet feels empty because everyone's on TikTok.
1: I would agree with that. And I think that before we get into the main stuff you want to talk about, I think that TikTok is so interesting because it is such an inherently non-collaborative medium.
0: But I think it's actually the most collaborative of a platform we've ever had.
1: No, but I mean, I think everyone is set to broadcast.
0: Oh, I see. So, like, even if they're, like, communicating, they're still doing it for their own thing.
1: Yeah, maybe that's the, maybe that's the way we would put it. It's while Twitter is simultaneously broadcast and receive, like, it is conversation. It is constant. Like, the entire thing is just one mess of interactions. Like, it's a network. Mm. TikTok right. is very much you're either broadcasting or you're receiving. Like, people will spend an hour on TikTok and not engage with anything. And similarly, people right, they'll will...
0: just stare at it. They'll just stare at it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so there's kind of a, that's, you know, you set to receive and then other times people are set to broadcast when they're making stuff and the two aren't necessarily linked in the way that they are on on Twitter. So I think that there's less of a, I guess, like when you think about TikTok, there are obviously loads of interesting things that happens on it and like cool content happens and all that stuff. There are very few conversations that happen on it. I think the only one that I can think of is was the black content creator strike, which was actually a conversation and a thing that happened on TikTok. The rest of them are kind of like trends.
0: Well, I, that, that is actually a perfect segue into where we're going this week. So let's talk about, let's talk about TikTok as the new largest app in America. So three weeks ago, TikTok announced that one billion people use the app every month.
1: Okay, one million users. Damn, that's right. Facebook's two point eight nine billion.
0: Yeah, and TikTok crossed a billion this uh, basically three weeks ago. Right around the same time as the milk crate challenge started to trend.
1: Right. Okay. But
0: it has surpassed Facebook in terms of actual downloads. More people are now downloading the app than they're downloading. The Facebook app, which makes sense because everyone already has it. Yeah. But it also means that like now Facebook is kind of plateauing, which sort of explains like all of their insane behavior and all of our previous episodes of this show over the last month and a half, which is that nobody seems to be really on the app.
1: It took, it took 5.1 years. Facebook took five, five years to reach a billion. Oh no, hold on. Interesting. Okay. Cause TikTok has existed for a longer time than we think it has, right?
0: 2017, I think, was when it was Musical.ly, and then it was like turned into TikTok around 2018, I want to say.
1: So this is, this is interesting. So there is an app that actually reached a billion monthly active users quicker than TikTok. And what's that? Facebook Messenger.
0: That makes sense, because you could onboard your Facebook users directly into it, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. And Facebook took 8.7 years.
0: Which, you know, yeah, it's harder to do. When you're the first one to do it, it's harder. Yeah, now but it's a lot it, easier.
1: I don't know. It feels like less of a it feels like less explosive growth than i would have thought for tiktok yeah well
0: yes and no i i would say that like it's explosive growth for tiktok in the sense that there are now basically like an entire generation of internet users who are on it like i think it's a much bigger chunk of a, of a of a demographic whereas the the multiple billions of users on facebook are across many different demographics but i think there's like a bigger chunk of like one kind of user on TikTok, which sure. is like Gen
1: Z. Makes sense.
0: So, what I've been really interested in basically over the last couple months is the really bizarre amounts of concentrated like viral energy happening on TikTok. And the first time I noticed this was the Atlanta Rush Week. So, do you know about this?
1: Uh, yeah, this is when everyone suddenly got their feed filled with things that happened for, like, Atlanta Rush Week. Yeah,
0: so it's a bunch of sorority girls uh in Atlanta, Georgia. They started sharing videos of themselves, like, rushing their sorority on TikTok, and it just overwhelmed the entire app, because, like, the algorithm decided that everyone wanted to see, like, these, like, very... um enthusiastic white ladies do like really weird sorority shit in Atlanta. And it seems to be following this pattern and it's been happening faster and faster where the app will be completely overwhelmed by one kind of thing. And more often than not, that thing that's overwhelming the app is a physical location or a person. And I would connect this with the Gabby Petito frenzy as well from uh, about two months ago.
1: Yeah. And this goes to the, what was it? Someone's hang. Whose hang was it? Oh, this goes all the way back to kind of like the first
0: big TikTok event of the year, which was Adrian's kickback, which was Adrian's just a kid back. on TikTok who advertised. I He actually didn't even advertise on TikTok. It was somebody took a thing from his Snapchat, put it on TikTok, and it was just to like hanging out at the beach. And it turned into like a thousand person riot where like the cops were like shooting like pepper spray at people or something. Yeah. So a good, good kickback. That's how all kickbacks should end as far as I'm concerned. Um, but so further into this, this, uh, kind of like weird pattern was the very bizarre Lamborghini incident. Do you know about this?
1: Yeah. This is the, yeah. The guy who, who, who got, (laughs) yeah, this is really weird. I I saw a bunch of this stuff on Twitter and it was, I don't know. It was fascinating. Why do not you explain it? So
0: basically a guy took a video of a woman shouting at him right after she had rear-ended his Lamborghini. Then she posted a video saying that actually he sideswiped her and that's why she hit his Lamborghini. And then TikTok users became obsessed with this and started digging through security camera footage of this random intersection in Florida to like figure out who was at fault. And there's, like, an entire class of TikTok users that all kind of, like, created this weird, like, doxing network where they go after, like, anti-vaccine nurses and stuff. And these people then, like, jumped on this trend and started commenting on it and turned it into, like, a multi-day news cycle within the TikTok ecosystem. It was, it was very strange.
1: All right. I am going to play red team to this. I would say devil's advocate, but that's lousy. So I'm going to need red team to this. Um, what, your like, red team? What is red, red team? team? Red team is like the and second. And I blue group. team? Yeah. Okay. Continue. Red team, red team is, is like the second team you have or isolated from the first thing. And then they come in and like try and knock it down.
0: Okay. So not, so you're going to knock my thing down, but I, I, I didn't knock even knock finish what down. my thing was. Which, oh, okay. okay carry on. I'll,
1: I'll play red team at the end. It's fine. Go, carry okay. on.
0: So then, uh, like a, basically like a week after this, There was a very bizarre incident where a woman went on TikTok and claimed that she was randomly punched in the face by another woman on a subway platform at West 4th Street in Manhattan. And then a bunch of users went – they went to West 4th Street to make content about this – what they called the puncher of West 4th Street. And then they started doing like videos about it and it started trending. And so this is a third time now where like a specific location based on like a very weird – like initially viral thing has turned into like a multi-day trend and this same sort of like user behavior I think is connected to the explosion in popularity around the TikTok of like the couch guy. Do you know about couch guy? Yeah, yeah. So if you don't know about couch guy listen to this. It was a guy who was surprised at college by his girlfriend. She filmed him like not really reacting right to her walking through the door when she like showed up. People started doxing him they started like analyzing the apartment trying to find other videos. They were trying to prove that he was like cheating on her and, like, doing, like, weird investigative stuff, and this ties together with the Gabby Petito thing, which we did a whole episode about a couple weeks ago, which was sort of this large-scale, like, collaborative, like, open-source investigation culture that's spreading on TikTok. Here's my sort of take on this whole thing, which is that, like, the algorithm keeps giving users kind of like this macro moment, like this one thing to focus on. They pour all of their time and attention into this one thing, whether it's like sorority girls rushing or it's like a missing woman, or it's like a guy who might be, or might not be cheating on his girlfriend. He probably wasn't, or like a random car accident in Florida or like a mysterious, like attack on a subway platform. And users just like spend days digging into this stuff for kind of no reason and it's getting worse. So that's my that's my overall thesis.
1: Okay. So so I buy this. I think I think that the most interesting element of this is is the Alabama sorority girls because what I would like what I what I'm interested in basically is whether this is genuinely accidental or whether they intended to do this because I low-key think, I,
0: I th- Who is the they you're talking about? Are you Are talking about TikTok or are you talking about the sorority girls?
1: I'm, no, I'm talking about the Alabama sorority girls because okay. my reading of this incident is that as with all of these things, it goes viral because of people talking about it, not because of the thing itself. But I think that they were attempting to get as many people as possible to see their videos initially. They just miscalculated how effective it would be. So when they were, were kind of doing the thing and doing their like fun stuff and, you know, all the outfit of the day and all that noise, like, okay, fine, cool, all good. Um, the kind of follow up thing was that then people like parodied it. And I think it was the parodies that gave that one the energy because TikTok, as always, this is the sort of thing where we try and like feel what the algorithm's doing rather than like mathematically prove it. But what it feels like is that the algorithm is noticing when things cross bubbles. And parodies are a really effective way to do that because you can parody it in your, whatever way you want. If you are uh, uh, on food TikTok, you can parody it in food some way. If you are on car TikTok, you can parody it in car TikTok. So what it ah, does is it crosses bubbles and it kind of brings all that together and goes like, oh, no, everyone cares about this because it's on all the bubbles. So it just shows to all the bubbles at once. What that then comes to is that you have the other ones where – they are, they are, they're effectively mysteries, kind of like Adrian's kickbacks is a little bit of a different thing, but it also has that same kind of like parody energy that people engage for different reasons and it breaks out of bubbles. But I think that part of this is going to be the TikTok algorithm, of the room. Part of this is going to be people are now more used to engaging in these big events. Like people understand their positions in them a lot better. Uh, so they can go like, I know how to parody this. I know how to do a fun thing about this. I know how to. Uh, jump on this and just kind of support it. Do you know what I think the strongest argument in favor of this is? Um, is the incident from uh, BuzzFeed in 2014. Uh, which... What was that? Hang on, hang on. Um Okay. June 2017. BuzzFeed published a post that was titled, This is what happens when you accidentally email your entire company. Oh, I remember this. Uh, basically what happened was, uh, someone who worked for BuzzFeed at the time forgot or, or went to email their boss to say, my shower has no hot water. I will be late into work. They inadvertently emailed the entire company. Right. And yeah. if that happens at many companies, it results in an awful lot of people being like, please don't email the whole company. Please take me off this chain. Please take me off this chain and it keeps the chain going. It's the reply, reply all apocalypse. Right. Now why happened at BuzzFeed at the time was obviously we had a lot of people who were thinking about the internet in different ways and thinking about like viral and how we build this up and what we do with this. And as a result, that email chain became a immediately became like a big in joke of people supporting him and saying well, we feel for you and your and your struggles and uh various I remember people this, in the company yeah. at the time saying like, Oh yeah, we, we uh the full resources of the BuzzFeed investigative team are at your disposal and all this sort of stuff. Now, what that was is because, yeah, people kind of like attuned to it. Then Now everyone is. So, so you're saying my, that like
0: TikTok functions as a massive reply all.
1: It does. Yeah. But also the Internet more widely does. And in that everyone can jump on the joke now much, much easier. And everyone immediately understands the joke. And everyone is more invested in the idea of playing along with the joke because they understand that that is a more effective way to get more engagement. Mm-hmm.
0: So I don't disagree with you, but I think there is a dimension specifically about TikTok in English-speaking countries that I think is worth talking about and engaging with. Okay. And that is the scene kid factor. So as we said earlier in the show... TikTok didn't start as TikTok. TikTok started as an app called Musical.ly, which was then acquired by ByteDance and combined with some features from their Chinese app, DuYin, and it created the thing that we now think of as TikTok. Uh, Musical.ly was popular with two communities, but when it was acquired by TikTok, the first were like the Jacob Sartorius, like former Vine boys doing like like cute lip syncs for girls, right? So it was like the popular Christian boy tweens. It was popular with the fans of Christian boy tweens and the other community that was very, very, very into Musical.ly. Can you guess what community that was, Luke?
1: Was it the Emos?
0: Close. It was the Anime Kids. It was an app for anime cosplayers to do weird lip syncs of like anime theme songs dressed up like Inuyasha or some shit. Sure. When TikTok was created as the app that we now know of as TikTok, those two cultures were brought over full stop. And so in the early days of TikTok, there were basically two halves of the app. There was like the cringe side and the popular kid side. I'm sorry, which
1: of these sides are cringe? Oh, sorry, correction, which of these sides are not cringe?
0: So there is the Christian tween boy side, and then there was the anime cringe side.
1: So what you're saying is Christian boys are less, cringe than anime people
0: i mean sort of there was i mean in for this for this framework that i'm creating right now yes okay in this exact instance the 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 like the like (laughs) the like thirst trap i don't there's no like there's no way to describe these videos without sounding insane but like the like cute boy side it's
1: it's early era justin bieber basically
0: yeah the, the like justin bieber side and then like the Comic Con side, those are the two sides of the app and this and, and the app's extremely powerful algorithm and the AI that runs it. Cause remember by dance is a, is an artificial intelligence company first. So that's like their thing. Yeah. This app was basically trained on two kinds of, of filter bubbles. The, the, the it's foundation of TikTok was created by two very different, but like oddly similar kind of like user behavior patterns. And one of them was like Jacob Sartorius doing like cute boy videos for, like, teen girls, and the other was, like, stinky kids from Hot Topic. (laughs) Those those are, like, the two groups. And I believe that, on a fundamental level, all TikTok content flows between these two poles. And if you think about any large-scale TikTok user behavior, it is typically the intersection of those two things. So the Alabama Sorority Rush videos is a perfect example. It's popular kids doing something. And then being commented on and parodied and gawked at by the stinky kids. Okay. In much of the same way, you have the Gabby Petito frenzy starting with, like, kind of, like, true crime weirdos who are obsessed with the conspiratorial elements. And then it spreads beyond that. And then you get the, like, kind of, like, the inspirational, like, we're with you Gabby movement of, like, the, of, like, the, the yoga influencers and the Instagram girls.
1: Okay. This stacks up. This stacks up because we know the TikTok algorithm is extremely aggressive. Like it has that 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 thing. It's the most of,
0: aggressive it, algorithm I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, and it pulls you really quickly into a hole. What it's doing, therefore, is it's basically putting you in that hole. And everyone's—I think we're going to use holes instead of bubbles. I think. Yeah, I think, let's do yeah. hole. Let's do on, hole. On, on face- hole. On Facebook, you're in a filter bubble. On on TikTok, you're in a hole. Uh, yeah. And you're in a hole with a load of other people who have end up in the same hole. Some of whom, uh, some of whom got there in the same way. Others of whom. Bit unlucky, looked at the wrong thing at the wrong time, now they're in that hole. Yes. I, what's happening is occasionally, like water is filling no garbage. Garbage is filling the hole and it's overflowing your hole into other holes and filling all of the holes with garbage. I think you're using hole too much now, but I know what
0: you mean. <laughs> yes. Okay, so he, here's an interesting thing. And so one of my favorite one of my favorite things about the internet that's ever been written. I try to uh, reference it as often as I can, because I think it's it's a profound way to understand the internet. So in 2011, Dana Boyd wrote a paper titled White Flight in Network Publics: How Race and Class Shaped American Teen Engagement with MySpace and Facebook. And the argument that Boyd makes in this paper is that because Facebook launched with only college email addresses first, it immediately cut out Poor people, it cut out less educated people. It, it like, it like started with a very specific kind of audience.
1: And it started the Ivy League as well. So it was, it started exactly. with
0: like predominantly white people. It started at Harvard. Yeah. So when it spread from college to college, and I remember my, when my high school finally got it, it was because it, it had been allowed outside of college for the first time in 2006. Yeah. So it quickly created like two kinds of internet experiences in America. There were, there were the educated like higher income bracket people on Facebook. And then there were like your neighborhood weed dealer on MySpace. Sure. And that dynamic basically lasted until Facebook overtook MySpace. And so what I think is really interesting is that TikTok has launched in a different direction. And TikTok is, is basically like what if Tumblr turned into the largest social network in the country? And the and like the, the the culture of like the things that used to do well on Tumblr are now doing well on TikTok. All the same problems from Tumblr are happening again on TikTok. It is it is sort of the inverse of what we had with Facebook, which was an upper crust, a, a sort of like higher income level, a higher educated bracket kind of user base to start. TikTok started the opposite. In the beginning, TikTok was like like guys like goofing around on like army bases and like you know it was it was like community college goths, like, doing, like, cosplay. It was, like – it was not Facebook. It was not Harvard. And I think that there's, like, a real interesting dynamic there when you have the largest social network in America now, basically, TikTok, being jump-started by the exact opposite kind of people and the opposite kind of social classes than what we've ever seen before. And I think it's having a big impact on the way the the app functions.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can see that, but I (laughs) – I think what will turn out to be very interesting about TikTok is that, I mean, we said earlier, it's longer to get to where we thought it was going to do. And I think you're you're absolutely correct about kind of the formational things, kind of the, the, the formational users having a, a significant legacy for how the app operates. But I also think the fact that so many people arrived on it simultaneously has also kind of messed it up. Say more about that. I think I agree with you, but say more. I think that, you know, I mean, really, the, really, the, the the natural comparison to TikTok is Vine, but Vine True. was yeah. very internet people. Obviously it self-selected for various other reasons, but it was very internet-y people. Uh, and there was a lot of like weird esoteric stuff going on, though I do think, I do think the kind of Vine Street that eventually became like all the TikTok hype houses is a, a fascinating one. Um, but the, the, the Vine itself was, was had like an element of weirdness and an element of figuring it out and play to it. Which yes. TikTok doesn't feel like in the same way. Um it feels incredibly ruthless, I think. I would agree with
0: the ruthlessness. I, I there there's like a soul missing from TikTok content that I've I've yet to be able to put my finger on. I don't know what it is that's missing exactly, but I know that it's it's not the same level of like humanness that Vine had, maybe? Is that is that what I'm I'm sort of reacting to? I can't figure
1: yeah, it out. I think it's like kind of the it has no, well, part of it is that they are much better at moderating things. Like, it has no dark side. There's no dark elements of TikTok. Or, or rather, no, that's not true. There are very dark elements of TikTok, but they're very hard to spread. Whereas the viral elements of Vine were very chaotic. Like, um, back out again at the Krispy Kreme is like, I have no, like, the context of that makes no sense. It's fine, but it's very weird. But you would not get that on TikTok.
0: Yeah, I think there's, there's one other piece here, which is scale. And I think we have to sort of talk about scale when we're talking about the difference between Vine and TikTok. So what I, I, I think what you're sort of describing is like when, when Vine was at its peak.
1: In 2019 to make us feel very old. <laughs> This
0: is interesting, and I think this explains a lot. Okay. So by 2015, Facebook had 1.5 billion users. Instagram had, two, uh, Instagram had 400 million users, and Vine had 200 million active monthly users. Wow. Okay. Interesting. So at Vine's peak, it was half the size of Instagram at the time, and it was nothing compared to facebook facebook at vine's peak is the size of tiktok now that is wow that is wild it's crazy but i also think it explains the weirdness and the darkness that we're beginning to see on tiktok which is i think tiktok is now at the size it's beginning to show us the video versions of like really fucked up small town facebook
1: stuff i see that yeah no i agree (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's going, <laughs> like oh, it's very really hard not to agree that but like yeah no it's it's getting more fucked up and it's happening more and more
0: like i remember a couple of years ago uh i was sitting at work and you know a friend of the show katie natopolis was like ryan you gotta see this check this out and i leaned over and she was in like a facebook group for i guess like selling used sex toys or something i, I don't remember what the group was but katie yeah. was joining a lot of random groups and this woman had asked the group like what was in her dildo. And it was like a, it was like a Silicon clear dildo that seemed to have like black stuff inside of one of the fake testicles of the dildo. Right. And the, the Facebook group obviously got like very active because people were like commenting, like what could be in her dildo. Yep. And so then the woman like updated the thread by cutting open the dildo. And can you guess what was in the dildo? Luke?
1: Um, I'm gonna guess. I oh god See, I vaguely remember this, and I'm worried that I'm gonna say the right thing now. But I'm gonna guess spiders because it's always spiders. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was right. spiders. Okay. Yeah. May the dildo have, was may have, full of spiders. I may have yeah. seen that. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, so I think TikTok is now hitting its dildo full of spiders moment, where like the amount of people on the app means that we're just gonna get like wild shit nonstop, and the only reason we're not seeing it more is because TikTok like puts you in your garbage hole. You know, like yeah, it's sorting yeah. you constantly, so you're not seeing the whole thing. And I think they have a much more aggressive moderation policy. But we are at the spider, we, we are we are at the dildo full of spiders moment for TikTok right now.
1: <laughs> Man, we, we need we need we need some more spider content on TikTok. <laughs> or some more dildo. I'm I not think, sure.
0: <laughs> I think that's well. No, you can't you can't put dildos on on
1: TikTok. That's true. This is the problem. This is a What it is is there's a load of like latent. Bizarre, disgusting energy that is not coming out properly because TikTok is too controlled.
0: So I have a really good corollary for this exact thing. All right, do you know what do you know about Japanese censorship laws, Luke?
1: <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a wild guess. I know less than you.
0: So many, many years ago, like hundreds of years ago, Japan instituted a law that basically required all genitalia in media to be censored. Right. Um and so all Japanese pornography has to have censored genitalia. Like you cannot see any of it. And this is extended over into anime and all, you know, th- this is sort of um the explanation for why tentacle porn exists because like artists had to get creative with penetration because like they couldn't show genitalia in Japanese media. Yeah. But it has also had, you know, the effect of just giving a lot of Japanese media like a really intense latent repressed horniness. I don't have to express. I wait, hold on. I don't have to explain sexual repression to you. You're British. You know exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about.
1: Yeah, but ours is different. We just don't talk about it. We don't. We didn't go to tentacle porn.
0: No, I had an Australian friend say once that if the if a british person had to decide between voyeurism and eating they would starve to death in your closet. Yeah. <laughs> so so I think that's sort of what you're you're feeling on TikTok is that like because there's such an intense moderation policy like you know which is an automated one. Yeah. Uh the whole app just has like an a powerful dark horniness to the whole thing.
1: Yeah, it's acquired like a very yeah, I don't want to say strange energy, but it is a strange energy.
0: It is because it can't go full Vine. It can't go full crazy because also the only way for your TikToks to be seen is if they're in if they're in some sort of conversation with other content. So like you have to post within a trend or you have to use a trending audio or you have to do something that can be found where I think Vine, because of its integration with like Twitter and Tumblr. You could do more one-off vine content that could go viral, whereas yeah, on TikTok that's not possible. This
1: yeah, no, this this adds up to me. It is. It's why it feels so fucking weird. It's
0: like a heavily censored small town Facebook <laughs> in video in video form. Yes. So like imagine how ins like imagine if the <laughs> like imagine like imagine if a company in China was moderating your small town's Facebook drama. <laughs> And the only way you can respond is in heavily censored videos.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the whole thing does feel bad. It's insane. It's totally crazy. And it makes
0: no sense. So I guess my, my last question where I want to end this, my question for you, is what do you think the next insane TikTok panic is going to be?
1: What is the next one? Um. I think I mean TikTok likes mysteries. Uh I think it's going to be almost definitely I mean it's probably only uh uh a an a, a, a subgroup that hasn't like been properly exposed yet.
0: Oh, like a new subculture.
1: Well not a new subculture, but like like gearheads, like with like the, the Lambo stuff. I see. I see what you're saying. Um man, this is a really creative question to come up with off the off the top of my head. Um uh, I'm gonna say that the next thing to be exposed um you know what you know what you know what we' do we'd do due, uh some thirteen to sixteen year old visco girls getting like extremely mad about something, like a lot of like really oh. gossipy bullshit for like sixteen year olds and everyone getting like really inappropriate about how much they get into it
0: interesting interesting like I
1: can see full like, fully grown adults like writing whether they're like a a an Ava or an Olivia about like Okay. Some nothingness.
0: I'm with you on that. I think that I think that there's absolutely something on the horizon that's gonna involve like a lot of like serious adults in their thirties writing opinion pieces about like a teenager on TikTok. I think we're due for an Alex from Target moment.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: I think like a cute boy is gonna go like viral by accident on TikTok, like like the cranberry juice guy. From a couple months ago? Nate Dogg. Was that this year? Was, was, was Cranberry? It was last year. It was year? it
1: was very recently, uh, his one-year anniversary. Oh, wow. Time doesn't move right anymore. No. But
0: I imagine, like, so the, the last couple, like, big viral frenzies on TikTok, almost all of them actually, seem to be kind of like lightning in a bottle moments. And I could see, like, someone, like, going out into the world and filming a TikTok. And then there's, like, a cute boy in the back. And then, like TikTok users become obsessed with him and ruin his entire life.
1: Yeah, I mean, someone's going to end it with a life ruined. I think that's the only thing we can like properly agree on. That someone's I think right. life. I think is that's.
0: Be I think that's a that's a perfect place to 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 end this. <laughs> <All right. Awesome. laughs> TikTok is going to ruin someone's life in. I'd say by the end of the year, we've got like two months. I'd say by the end of the year.
1: Yeah, that sounds right. Ooh, Christmas okay. is going to be bad. I bet something really bad happens at Christmas. Like everyone's going to spend, yeah. everyone's going to be sitting at home on Christmas Day, and everyone's going to be mad at someone, and it's going to be very unpleasant.
0: Right. It's going to have to time up. With, it's going to have to. So we're we're playing by we're playing by peak Facebook rules. So it's going to have to be a moment where everyone's home bored. Something happens on TikTok, and then a bunch of very serious journalists have to write opinion pieces about what they think about like a teenager on the internet.
1: Yeah, for sure. All right, for sure.
0: Cool. Let's see. Let's see what happens. Let's see if we got it. You know we're always trying to we're always trying to think ahead and and be a, a trend spotting place. So let's see if we got this right. And
1: if we get it wrong, we'll never mention it again.
0: I honestly could not tell you what we talked about last week. So there's absolutely <laughs> no way that I'll tell you if we got it right unless you let us know. I'm slightly worried
1: that we talked about Couch Guy. Did we talk about Couch Guy? I don't know. I kind of feel like we might have talked about Couch Guy. I uh,
0: I'll take a I'll take a spin through and see if we talked about Couch Guy. <laughs> but. If we did talk about Couch Guy last week, we meant to talk about him again this week. And that's actually...
1: Yeah, that was intentional. That's intentional. Because much like TikTok, like it's very asynchronous, like it's coming back and forward and you see something, it it was metaphorical. It's fine. It's nonlinear. Yeah. The
0: Content Mines is nonlinear. Luke, I have a huge announcement.
1: What is your announcement? Is it that you've seen Changsheet? So,
0: I, have, I have not seen it. <sighs> have you seen it? Yes. I saw it like two uh, months ago. Oh, no, I'm going to see it next week. That's not my announcement. My announcement is for my content to consume to stay sane this week, I'm reading a history book.
1: Really? What is it a history
0: of? So, okay. Last weekend, uh, so I'm, I'm currently in Sao Paulo, Brazil, visiting my girlfriend. We went to a very historic tower called Farol, which means lighthouse. And it's like basically like one of the largest buildings in the city. And it's currently owned by Santander, who turned it into, like, this weird museum about banking in the 40s in Brazil, sure. which is kind of cool, but also, like, really fucked up and weird. Anyways, I was like, I don't know really – like, I know the vague, the, 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 the vague kind of flow of Brazilian history, but I don't, like, know Brazilian history because, like, Americans never learn it. Right. So uh, I impulse bought A Concise History of Brazil by Boris Fausto. And it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a concise history of Brazil and it is absolutely fascinating. And I am, I'm like almost halfway through the book. I bought it like a couple of days ago. It's great. Highly recommend it if you want to read uh, a concise history of Brazil.
1: Cool. That's good. I'm glad you're, reading, yeah. glad you're, you're branching out in, in your reading and, and,
0: <laughs> Well, a couple of weeks ago when I was, uh, I was at a wedding and then after the wedding, the next day we were by the pool and I was like, I was like on my phone and oh, it was, it was, uh, I think it was nine eleven. I think because cause, uh, there's a Reddit post being like, on today we 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 talk about the other nine eleven, and it was a picture from uh, Chile, the right, the, the right, Chilean right. coup. And so I was like, oh, what? I don't know much about this. So I fell down a massive, massive Wikipedia rabbit hole about Operation Condor, <laughs> and like all the CIA <laughs> meddling in South America. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I don't know about any of this stuff, and I became like very, very fascinated by 20th century South American history. And so that's kind of related to this, this reading that I'm doing now, but this book is not a leftist.
1: I feel like the grounding thing. you need for that is just yet yeah, to read a history of the CIA and then start on the South American history. Cause like it's all there.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 But like, it's, it's a lot easier to find a, like, even keeled history of brazil written in english and it is defined in even keeled history of the cia <laughs> in
1: english. i mean i bet they've got some interesting ones written in spanish <laughs>
0: yeah so i'm starting with like i'm starting at the shore before i go into the deep water so i'm i haven't cool. been totally uh blue pilled and i'm like reading like operation condor leaks or something yet but i'm now i'm getting my head around right now in the history book i'm reading uh uh i just finished uh a, a section about the Paraguayan War the the extent to which americans don't learn history about like almost any country on earth other than fucking england is insane to me and we don't even really learn english history we just learn english history up till 1776 and then we just never hear from you again
1: <laughs> yeah i mean that, that paraguay war is fascinating cuz yeah it's also like apparently very messed up paraguay for like what well, unsurprisingly messed it up for decades for years no, no, no and, like, forever. like the entire Basically, in, yeah their entire culture is like different as a result it's fascinating yeah Uh, Have you consumed any content to stay sane this week? Uh, I have finished Squid Game. We are entering the Spoiler Zone. Fine, I don't know. I, I, it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, I'm glad I've watched it. I now know the thing that everyone's talking about. But it is essentially a... It is a TV show I've seen before because I've seen Battle Royale. I've seen other things where it's like, yeah, I really want to watch the end of this because it's very, very tense about who's going to win. And it turns out that the, the main character wins and is the one who doesn't die. Spoilers. Sorry. <laughs> but it's one I'll of the... I'll play the spoiler. I, don't worry. Yeah. I've played the Spoiler Zone song before you, you start. Cool. This, yeah. Um, but yeah... It, it, it seems it's one of those things where I don't understand why it is so obsessive, except for the fact that it is almost oh god, I gonna sound weird. It's, it's almost watch bait in that it is What do you mean once you start watching it like, well, I do kind of want to finish this because I wanna know what the thing that happens at the end, which is arguably just what plot is. But it is Oh, you mean it's just a
0: good story that you want to see told all the way through.
1: Yeah, but it's also kind of a fake story, you know? It's it's we've put it is external Things operating upon the characters, and there's very little kind of character development or anything else to it. Which I don't know. I think it's fascinating that it's the biggest show ever. Like it's it's one of those things where I'm like, it does not surprise me that it has done well. It is weird to me that it has done as well as it has. Does that make sense? Oh, I
0: think I, I think I think most viewers on Earth right now are just
1: really starved for stories with
0: literally anything to do with social inequality.
1: Well, this is the other part of it, which is it is like nakedly anti-capitalist it's extremely blatant about it and i find it weird that we have reached a point where kind of anti-capitalism is almost an aesthetic
0: yeah i mean i i think it only feels like an aesthetic because it's so popular like i think if this show hadn't been popular and it had just been like another death game title on netflix which is the the, the name of the genre you're talking about death yeah game, um i think it would have just been okay like Cool, but I think because it has done so well, we're now in this, like, very weird moment where all these brands and all these, like, very capitalistic entities want to, like, jump on the train, and they have no idea how, and so, like, now we're gonna end up with, like, Squid Game Halloween costumes and, like, Squid Game tweets from Nutter Butter and, like, other fucking dumb shit, but... I think it is a good show. I think it, I think it will be a show where once this, like the, the frenzy has died down, we'll look back and be like, that was a damn good show. In fact, even the other day, I was like in the shower and I was thinking about Squid Game and I was like, the whole, I was like, the only piece of the show that like still really like doesn't make sense to me was like the cop subplot because it was like very K drama. And then I was like, oh wait, no, it does actually make sense because his whole plot line is that like one good cop is not going to stop this. And in fact, the minute he gets to the bottom of it, he, they unmask the big bad and he's literally related to the cop. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, that actually worked really well. Like, like there's a lot of layers to it where like it feels kind of silly or perform or, or goofy, but then you start to like dig into it and you're like, Oh no, like that does work. It all sort of lines up quite well. Um, and I, I find myself still thinking about it, which I feel like is the sign of a, a good show. Yeah.
1: I do think it's good. Maybe, maybe being unfair to it. It's like a, I don't know, like an eight and a half out of 10. Like it is good. It's just, it's weird to me that it's become the garbage show of all time. If I like. Acclamation. I
0: I think it's cool. I mean, you know, there's a reason why MASH was the biggest show of all time for a while, right? True, true. Like, there's a reason why The Simpsons was the biggest show for a long time. Like, every once in a while, every generation, we sort of get a show like this, where it's like a viciously anti-capitalist show that somehow gets mainstream appeal, and everyone gets behind it and kind of ruins it, and then we kind of move on.
1: Yeah, and this is a great preview for our episode next week. That's right. We Well, should we tease it? Let's tease it.
0: Okay, I think Luke and I are going to do a big, show, a big show next week about streaming data. We have a bunch of data about, like, the popularity of shows versus their digital footprint. The only times that we've ever teased a topic on an episode before, we have just never actually gotten to that topic. So I'm a little nervous doing this right now, but I think we can do this. So barring any sort of, like, absolute, like, earth-shattering thing, that's what we're doing next week. Cool. Let's do it. Uh, thank you for listening. Head over to our uh, the comments on our iTunes page or whatever, or our, our Spotify page. And this week's challenge—I haven't even checked if anyone's been doing these—but I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you another one here. This week's challenge is to comment. Ooh, what's the What's the challenge this week? What should we do? Um,
1: I, I don't know, man. Uh, I, have, I, have, I have no idea.
0: Ah, comment on our iTunes or Spotify or review page wherever we do you do reviews. Comment there. As if we were a small-town Facebook group that was descending into drama.
1: Okay, yeah, into it. Like it.
0: Um, and, uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening. Next week we have a new episode of uh, our Patreon-exclusive podcast for Patreon supporters. post post credit scene. We'll be doing The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which uh, is supposed to be really bad and awful. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Yeah, we'll see you. Okay. Goodbye. Bye. Oh, uh if you're in New York next week, uh, come to my live show at Caveat in New York on October 27th, which is also my birthday. Um, I will be in a Halloween costume. Also, wear a costume and you might win a free beer. Um, and if you're in London on November 10th, come to uh, the Star of Kings in King's Cross in the basement. We'll be doing a live show there. Um, and that, that one's free. So, you know, uh, you won't win any beer, but you can give us beer as a form of payment if you want to do that and I won't be wearing a costume other than the costume I wear every day uh, in public which is you know to survive in the world yeah exactly to survive in the world Uh, okay cool see you guys next week bye bye
1: yeah